0: From beautiful downtown Milheim, in the smack dab center of the Keystone State, this is Lou Bryson with Seam Through a Glass, the podcast that's mostly about drinking in central Pennsylvania. Welcome to episode 12, The Mallow Cup, The Curve, and Hotel Pizza. Altoona! Hello, Altoona! Altoona is a relative newcomer, as Pennsylvania towns go. While Philadelphia dates to the 1600s, and even Pittsburgh goes back to the days of British colonialism, Altoona was established by the Pennsylvania Railroad as a supply and maintenance depot in 1849 and grew from there. And Altoona? The source and meaning of the name are uncertain and somewhat obscure. It might be from the Latin altus, meaning high, or a Cherokee word one of the town's founders believed to be Alatoona, or High Lands of Great Worth. Or maybe it was named by a railroad engineer for a German railroad town, Altona. That last wouldn't make sense to me, but 170 years away? Who really knows? The feature Altona is probably best known for, the namesake of the city's minor league baseball team, the Great Horseshoe Curve, isn't even in Altoona. The scenic rail loop that levers trains up and over the Allegheny Front is west of town in the woods. The mailing address of the curve is Altoona, though, if you want to send it a letter. You should go see it. It's an impressive part of American technological history, along with the glitz and tunnels just west of there. And when there's a train, or two, or three trains pounding along that tightly curved slope, it's pretty stirring. At least, I find it stirring. Altoona also has some key Pennsylvania retail history. It's the home and headquarters of Senator Fetterman's favorite store, Sheets. Sheets is big business, but they haven't forgotten their roots. They put a lot of money back into Altoona, and their headquarters building is built in the same distinctive brick-and-windows styles as their stores. But the Altoona history I've got for you in this episode is the OG beer bar kind. We have an interview with Bjorn Reed, the owner-manager of the Knickerbocker Tavern, our fourth OG beer bar interview. I also visited the Texas Hot Dog, both of them, and had two cuts of Altoona Hotel Pizza. I stopped by Boyer Candy for some Clark Bars and Mallow Cups, got some hot Italian sausage at La Joe's, and hit three brewery tap rooms in town. And I did stop by the Sheet Store number one monument, because, you know, respect. I also did something I used to do every time it happened near me. I went to a brewery opening. Not in Altoona, but in Bullsburg. I'll tell you all about it, but first, here's what I'm drinking today. Yeah. So what I have today is Neshaminy Creek's Blondale with Mango, made with flavoring from Rita's Water Ice. Now this is kind of a, uh, what, a bridge between my former and, and current lives. Neshaminy Creek, of course, is from Neshaminy in Bucks County, not far from where I used to live. One of my best friends lives really close to it, just down the creek. And Rita's is the Southeast Pennsylvania-based water ice company, other people know it as Italian ice, Um, and they have a a store in State College. And my favorite flavor at Rita's over the years has indeed been their mango, and I was kind of surprised to find that it's their number one seller. I, I figured it would be cherry or maybe lemon, but mango is apparently by far their best seller. I have had problems with mango flavoring in beer So I'm a little bit leery going into this, but I got to say, it smells good. Uh, The thing is, you always, uh, on these fruit beers, from early on, and what I used to do when I homebrewed and did fruit beers, go with a light style beer if you really want the fruit to come through, if you want it to be a fun, fruity beer, and Blondale is pretty light stuff. So let's, let's see what this somewhat hazy, orangey, yellow beer tastes like. Oh, okay. That is not a faking mango. My problem with beers with mango flavoring is that it always kind of tastes like plastic rather than mango. And this, you know, doesn't overdo it because Arita's Water Ice, a mango, is really sweet and really, really intensely mango. It's delicious. It's almost like eating a, a frozen mango. But this has just enough mango flavor. Oh boy, that's pretty good because it has... Some of that, um, a little bit of bitter bite of beer to it still. The nice thing about this, <laughs> the fun thing about this, it's colored like a Rita's stand. It's got the red and white stripes. It's got the green Rita's logo on the front. Rita's Fruit Brews, blonde Ale with Mango and the Creek Brewing Company. This is a great fruit beer. I really like it. Uh, look for it. I don't know how long it's out, but summer's here. Time to get a Rita's. So Altoona, I've had some personal experience to go with each of these town episodes I've been doing because I lived in Pennsylvania a long time and I get around, but I've only been in Altoona a few times and not for quite a few years. My son and I rode the famous Leap the Dips roller coaster at Lakemont Park, supposed to be the oldest operating coaster in the world, dating to 1902. The family went to Horseshoe Curve and the and Tunnels for the history and to see trains. The kids were pretty young. And of course, we went to the Knickerbocker Tavern. We had a wonderful afternoon in the outdoor dining area, eating, relaxing, and enjoying what was a pretty good selection of beers for 20 years ago. I was looking forward to seeing what things were like now. So I got in touch with the folks at the tavern and set up the interview you're about to hear. Turns out things are even better now. A lot better. And it's a pretty interesting story on how it got to be that way. Hey, I'm, I'm here with Bjorn Reed, the owner, partner, manager, everything guy at uh, Knickerbocker in Altoona. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm well, happy you're here. I'm really glad to be back here. It's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. And i I got to be honest, the place is looking great. And I mean, we were just talking before the interview about the whiskey selection. I can't wait to get to that, but some amazing stuff there. But I, I really want to talk about the... Uh, the bar and the beer program first, because that's sure. what, I mean, this is one of these uh, original craft beer bars. I mean, I remember coming here 20 years or more. So first off, the name, I, I understand that comes from the neighborhood. Is that right? Yeah,
1: so well, my parents opened it, technically I was still in graduate school my, my final year Okay. in, in Georgia. But uh, we, I remember sitting around talking about the name they came down to visit. And it is named after the construction company. Oh. That developed this neighborhood. There's four avenues of these row hoses. Row houses. Yeah, I saw and, those coming in. Yeah, yeah, and it's like the South Altoona neighborhood um, called... And it's generally called the Knickerbucker. So the construction company named it after themselves, basically, but in, in the early 1900s. But yeah, that's, that's sort of where we got the name. And then, of course, Tavern is... Yeah. Yeah, Tavern. Yeah.
0: So how long has the building been here, and has it been a bar?
1: Okay, so the property was finished in 1904. Okay. So that's a long time. It was... A hotel for a little while. It, it was a couple different things. It was a little corner store that carried kerosene heaters and, and stuff. Because there were a lot of transient workers that worked sure. lived in these homes. That's uh, kind of where they were developed for both the railroad and for the South Altoona Works. Around the 40s, it became a bar. Okay. Very much a corner bar. The same owners had it until we, they'd been closed in 1990. We purchased from them in 95 and opened in 96. Okay.
0: As the Knickerbocker was it? As the Knickerbocker the, it, it, No, it was called
1: the Variety Room. Okay, and it was nicknamed e- Wow. Yeah, it was. It was that is an old school it name. Was, listen, there was there was <laughs> one tap, and it was Jenny. I'm telling you, oh, Wow, it was amazing. I remember bars like that. Yeah, yeah. You Should see some pictures later. <laughs>
0: but I mean, the thing I wanted to talk about, and the reason I'm here, is you've had a, a reputation as a, a craft beer bar for Wow. I mean, over over 20 years, yeah. well over 20 years. How did that get started? Yeah, so
1: our story is kind of unique. I was born and raised in Sweden. Okay. My dad is from this area, so he had oh worked overseas for the U.S. government for a number of years, met my mother, who was Swedish. Okay. And instead of choosing to live in America, they chose Sweden. My brother and I were born there and lived a normal, happy life. <laughs> and then at some point, I decided I wanted to see what America was like. Oh, okay. And I came over to, for university. Loved it. And at some point, my parents decided to move over with my brother. They had a couple different careers over, over the years. My dad was an engineer um, in Sweden, but basically were trying to figure out what to do with the rest of their lives. This property came open and just thought it was a fun idea. Didn't really know much, mm-hmm. like so many people that open uh, restaurants and bars. But we felt it was an opportunity because it had been closed for a while. So it was a chance to maybe change the vibe a little bit and make it something different. So that's how we opened. Why we opened with craft beer in Altoona yeah. It's a, it's a related to that. That's why I mentioned the Sweden thing. Okay. We I grew up drinking oh, good right. beer. Right. Just beer. I first time I got drunk, I think I had Bex. You know, second time I think it was maybe Stella. I mean it was that's what we had. We had Newcastle. We had all that's all we had. Yeah. We had no American. I think we had Budweiser and Schlitz, I think, in really? in Sweden. Well, okay. Don't ask me why Schlitz, yeah, I don't but know. but we had it. So coming over here, I was shocked a little bit at what it was lacking in terms of beer. Sure. And that's not, a, no, there's no hubris or anything. It just, that was my perception. It's
0: extremely I, different. From yeah, it really is. Yeah.
1: And still um, is, really. I, I think, I think so. Yeah. So I, in my travels then, as, as I moved, I went to Penn State for a year. I went to University of Pennsylvania for a year, three years at Emory Law School. So in those travels, including with my good friend Dave Staub at <laughs> Zenos, I started Tasting beer, it tasted like home, essentially. Uh A different version of home, but it tasted real. Right. uh, Whether it was Stout's, Carol Stout's A Lovely Lady, or if it was Victory back in the day, it could have been Celis, Pete's Wicked Ale. I mean... So that's kind of how that got started. And I think my parents came to me and said, what, what, Is there something you want to contribute? How do we contribute? And that's how sort of huh. craft here came about. Yeah, yeah. It was very challenging in the beginning. I'll bet. People would walk in every single day and be like, Don't you have regular beer? Like literally saying, Don't you have regular beer? <laughs> Other borrowers would ask sort of things like, Oh, why re- are you really? doing this? And wow. Yeah, not with, with no malice. Honestly intent, curious. Just curious, I yeah. think. And yeah, we just believed in it because it's what we liked, which is which is weird in some ways because you're not supposed to sell only what you like, but, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but but it but it really is a little bit of that, and I think I remember sitting at, at um, of all things a Chili's uh-huh. in 1992, I think it was in the at the University of Pennsylvania. My parents were visiting for parents' weekend, and I remember having a uh sam adams boston lager and i had the sam adams boston lager and i just i realized sitting that completely sober during the day just having a meal yeah. I realized how wow that really is good beer legit if, yeah. if i'm able to judge you know that really is and it just stuck
0: with me you know it struck a little bit of a chord i think so do you think the people who started drinking it and buying it here at at the knickerbocker mm-hmm. were learning it or were they the and I, I don't think I'm saying anything out of turn here. The small number of people who are already on it,
1: I, I think. I think that's definitely part of it. There were a okay. number of people. I, I even I can still remember some of them. Some of them still come here. Yeah, in fact, probably most of them do. <laughs> but <laughs> honestly, but uh, but yeah, but it was also a lot of teaching and 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 maybe even learning together at times. But True. we we definitely have done a lot of educating over the years. Yeah, and I think uh, and I mean some of that is just presenting it just having it presenting is one yeah having the passion maybe a tiny bit of knowledge and and i'm sure you experienced that in your career you learn as you you grow and learn yeah. right and i definitely have done that i'm cl- not claiming to have known anything in the beginning but yeah and, and it, it's become a love love story i think on some sort
0: particularly i've been i'm doing these um like old school beer bar yeah stories for central pennsylvania but Knickerbocker and Boxers in Huntington yeah. are the two that really stick out for me. That's nice. I, I love those guys.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: I have no idea why it worked.
1: I, I'm honestly slightly surprised myself. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, in the 90s, there was def- it was definitely harder then, but there was also novelty involved. So sure. some people work some here. Some people always go for that. So I, I, It was a double-edged sword. You lose some, but you also gain some. And the ones you gain, if you're the only one doing it, oh, yeah. they're... Even now, when every bar is selling it, they still come here primarily. Um, so that's a nice thing. Yeah. And then the movement kind of stalled a little bit, I would say, in the mid to late 90s. Definitely. And, you know, we did, we continued, obviously, but we also brought in other elements like great European beers and Japanese beers, and, but, I, but still focusing on, on American craft. Mm-hmm. And then it picked back up. And it got crazy. It's cra- it It's crazy right now. Yeah, I, mean, I yeah. think there's nine thousand plus breweries, if I'm not mistaken. I believe. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's insane. Yeah,
0: actually, that was something I did want to ask. I had it further along in the interview, but I might as well ask it now since it came up. There have been some like landmark craft beer bars that have closed mm. recently, of uh, Grey Lodge in Philly, uh, Falling Rock out in Denver. You you seem to be doing fine. Yeah, knock wood. Yeah, no, always <laughs> every single day, oh, every right. single day.
1: Um, yeah, no, we're doing. We're, we had our best year ever last year, oh, so, wow, so, that's so that's a sign that things are working. Yeah. Um, hopefully it's a better year this year. I think what we, what I've done and what we've done here, and I, I, I'm not taking all the credit by any means, but we've continuously developed and I think grown and try to move the bar mm-hmm. on some, not the to, bar, yeah. but a, a bar, and right. and for us, it, it's. We've grown a lot in terms of food. When we started, everything was basically frozen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now every single item on the menu is from scratch. Really, which is a wow huge effort for anyone who works in a kitchen. That's no, immensely impressive. It's it's so much work. We have a herb garden outside, and trying to bring in elements that keep people coming back. Whether mm-hmm. it's freshness of food, four different menus a year, um a little bit of luck, and and I think cocktails and whiskey. Yeah, and I, I really do think so I think during COVID. I hate that I have to use that right now. But during COVID, I think there was such a, people locked in their homes and they might be drinking beer and wine, but they weren't making cocktails and they weren't making great cocktails yeah. with five to seven ingredients and shaking them. And um, And I think coming out of that, I think people really, it, our cocktail program grew tremendously. It did. I mean, tremendously alongside of our sort of whiskey and spirits program
0: well let's let's talk about the whiskey and spirits program because you yeah. were telling me some stuff before yeah. we set up that amazed me yeah it's a little crazy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> numbers roll out that number because okay, it's so, a stunner
1: it's so, okay so we get i'm an obsessive collecting hoarding type person already <laughs> and we've gotten to the point where we have over 900 different selections of whiskey and that's just whiskey that's okay so when i say whiskey I'm i'm counting japanese but,
0: but you're not talking about like gin, vodka, and no, 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 no. any other spirits. No, no, no. You're no, not talking about spirits. You're talking about 900 different... whiskeys. We wow.
1: are definitely over 100 gins still. So I'm interested... <laughs> are <you really>? Interestingly <laughs> brought gin up. Because I also love gin, of course. And especially okay. in cocktails. But yeah, no, the whiskey's become my next sort of obsession, I think. And it's been going on for quite a while.
0: I, I mean, I, I obviously understand like, that. Yeah, it didn't, <laughs> happen. It
1: doesn't, didn't happen overnight. Especially <laughs> like in Pennsylvania, we have to you know, be very sure. careful with buying. And, and you also have very... There are very few opportunities to buy high-end stuff based on how the situation is set up and right. so you have to work very diligently you have to use the relationships you've had for a quarter of a century and that's kind of worked in our favor in terms of the whiskey but also a little bit in the beer you know sort of when everyone's not to go back too far when everyone else started selling craft what we were able to do i think was to utilize those those relationships that have been there for longer than most breweries have been there mm-hmm. and sort of go further, uh, have house beers made. Our friends at Bullfrog make a, our house Pilsner and, oh, nice. and sort of set yourself apart. in and you talked about growth and stuff and set mm-hmm. yourself apart in other ways. And I think utilizing those relationships have been tremendously important for us. In the whiskey, same thing. Relationships with, uh, with spirits companies, uh we talked about dad's hat and our yeah friend I mean, we're, herman we're I, sitting
0: eight feet from a collection of barrels that you've got from a i mean a, a single barrel program absolutely yeah um so
1: like i said the dad's hat one was a gift from herman i i met him when they had just opened oh, at yeah. a tasting in in um at the concourse in pittsburgh we didn't know each other and we do now but but uh, as far as the others yeah it's barrels we've purchased through a single barrel program mm-hmm. um uh, gone to kentucky to pick them at times not every time but uh and, and guess what? We're running out of them. I mean, that's, that's how, fast, how fast that yeah. that whiskey bug has hit people. It's, it's not – I thought it was going to slow down, but it, I don't think I so. Know, it definitely has not. It has, not especially not
0: – at least not around here. Let's just uh-huh. say that. No, no. I think that's, that's pretty much everywhere. You, you were mentioning your, your storage. You've got – I mean, we're essentially sitting over a room full of whiskey without a doubt (laughs) a room a room
1: that is so full that i now running out of room in the alpha on the shelves i have to put things in crates okay so probably sounds like my house to be honest and i and and i understand yeah it's it's to the point where you know i gotta think about every bottle i buy but then i still buy them (laughs) but but you know what it becomes i have such great staff Mm -hmm. it's they've really taken to cocktails and whiskey of course beer and they really do a great job of selling it they do a great job of pushing it and sort of explaining to people well if you've had that wild oh, turkey perfect. why don't we try the wild turkey 13 or yes. the father and son or and it's just really um yeah it's, it's 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 rewarding to work with people like that and when it comes to our single barrels yeah of course they're gonna sell that first yeah it's also in our code well, but I mean you almost cup. you almost have to hand sell that because, y- you do yeah you show people the label and right. they say look this and Quite frankly, they're usually really good because we've had a panel of five to seven people in Kentucky tasting them. So it's been tremendous growth in that area in the last, I'd say, three to five years. Been collecting for 15, but three to five, it's right. really like... Yeah. So it's been yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Getting back to beer. Yeah. So you have 20 taps. Is there a focus... Do you, do you like, run mostly American craft? Is that right? Right.
1: So, so what you're asking is how we curate the, the draft line. Yeah. 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 So What's that, There's definitely a focus. Um, I organize the beer list mentally by sort of flavor profiles for people. So like hops, fruit and spice, mm-hmm. tart and funky, you know, roast. So there's always going to be something of, of each category on okay. it. Okay. So there, you're always going to have one style, two or three Maybe one's a big imperial stout, barrel aged perhaps. One is a, a dry Irish stout. One is, you know, coffee style, let's say. Or mm-hmm. one, maybe one is a nitro. But you're definitely high focused on American craft. We sell, I, I sell, you know, Reisdorf, Chimay, Delirium, of course. But but more important, more often and not, you'll see mainly regional and even somewhat local american craft okay certainly national as well but i'm say i'd say a lot of pittsburgh breweries okay. philly and in between of course then a couple a little more local and then some some big ones like you know whether it's lawson's or whatnot i mean you know but but as far as styles it's, it's pretty heavy in ipa still i mean i hate to say everyone it, is you kind of have to a little yeah, bit for, what for business. It, they really want yeah. it and there were there was a lot of chatter when when hazy ipas became the big thing and while I don't prefer them, there were people in big brewers, not none to be named, said that they're not even a real category. But you know they were wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it's, I think yeah. close to 500 at the GA, uh,
0: bs the last a, time. It's not a joke. It's not a thing. It's it, a, it's a real
1: thing. It's for a real people. thing. And so knowing the power of that and being a purveyor as opposed to a brewer, right. I think I have to acknowledge that, if you will. Yeah. I definitely see moving a little bit, though, towards Lagers and Pilsners, which suits me just fine. There is too. some
0: motion there, yeah.
1: But I, I also think, I have a well-rounded lines. Uh, one or two local, we deal with friends at Juniata Brewing they are close to here, for example. Um, but then also, uh, you know, Dancing Gnome in Pittsburgh, good friends of ours, Old Thunder. So, we, you know... Spreading it out a little bit yeah. and giving a lot of people that travel through here. And there's more than you think, honestly. And I'll mm-hmm. tell it's a little surprising, but maybe a little fallout from State College. But we also have, you know, Sheets headquartered.
0: We have some bigger businesses. I was actually kind of surprised to find out how close you were to me. Very, yeah, very yeah. close. Very yeah, close. just a little over an hour, which I figured it was more than that. I was wrong. Yeah. So 99's made a difference. It
1: has made a difference, yeah. and, and I mean, so the, a
0: lot of. Oh, that's right. Sheets is here. Oh my God.
1: They live. From, I mean, they live two blocks from here themselves. <laughs> You know, so yeah so, we, yeah, so a lot of business from that, that okay. drives a lot of business. So all these people that come here from hotels that are staying in town, to give them an opportunity to try stuff, the first question is almost always, what do you have as local? Unless they're asking for whiskey or both. Right. Yeah, so to find that balance, I think. Okay. And I have I have employees that are helping me with that even currently, so that there's a lot, that you wear a lot of hats in this business. And yes. uh, I have really talented, I do have really talented employees, so.
0: So I'm, I'm looking out the window, um, I mean, the outdoor what do you what we call you call the it? courtyard. Courtyard. That's yeah, what I thought. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Because we, I remember when I had the family here and we ate out there yeah. and I still remember it. It was yeah. just with the trees and the lights. Yeah. And yeah. It's great out there. How much of the year can you use that? We just started opening in
1: now. Okay. In April because the weather's been amazing. And yeah, we're putting sure it gradually a few tables out at a time because once we open, open, it gets super busy here. We're adding mm. 120 seats to our
0: restaurant. Oh, right.
1: So, But I would say from April, sometime in April… To maybe end of September, okay. even sometimes October.
0: All depends I, on the weather?
1: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, all on the weather. And i love to extend it maybe with heat lamps and stuff. But they, they bring on their own issues, so it's it's not all black and white. I, right. I do think – I'm striving to be able to use it even more. Mm-hmm. When we opened that 15, 16 years ago, it made, it made a tremendous difference in our business, in, our, in the life of our business. It, it, I don't want to say – put us on the map would be wrong but we, we got a lot busier right there was no not a lot of places to sit, sit outside in Altoona no even in central PA I was going to say it's not so, just Altoona it yeah. became like a thing and um, yeah so that that's it's, I have great respect for the choreo for that it's really been a part of our, our growth um, and to try to utilize it more and is that a is that a European inspired thing because um, it looks kind of, yeah, I mean, again, I think it's a little bit of okay, a little bit of my travels over here in different cities that I've lived in, and yes, and of course, home, you know in 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 whether it's Sweden or Germany or anywhere. it's there's a lot there's a lot of places that look like that,
0: yes, yeah, I yes, would, I would say, yeah. I mean, I've se- to be fair, I've seen places look look a lot like it in Oklahoma, so well, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. other yeah. people have the same idea. yep, no yeah. we' well, no, we're not claiming to be the only one. Right. trust me. So, I, I mean, my last question was going to be, um, I mean, where do you see things down the line? Do things keep going? And maybe not just for here, but Central PA?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think the industry is going to keep growing. That's mm-hmm. for sure. I, I mean, food and restaurants are always going to be around. Mm-hmm. I think craft beer will continue to grow. I think whiskey will continue to grow. It sure seems that way. And I, I do believe we will as well. I think, honestly, just... Putting back into your business, you know, being energized, having your staff be energized. um, I don't say reinventing things, but just growing and and learning and bringing new things to the table, Uh, whether it be in, we're we're launching a, um, for example, a uh, non-alcoholic cocktail series that we're launching on, coming up very, very soon. Actually, we've been working on true cocktails, Mm -hmm. um, not fruit juice cocktails, um, with even non-alcoholic spirits. And other such things and you know continuing to keep things fresh and see see you know how that takes and and yeah just growing you know as, yeah. a, as a person but as a business as well
0: okay yeah bjorn uh, thanks very much i appreciate you coming in early i mean we're sitting here it's like what ten thirty in the morning <laughs> yeah, i awesome. do appreciate you taking the time
1: absolutely i'm glad you're here
0: all right i intend to be back i love it thank you take care man you too I did do Bjorn a favor. After we did the interview, we went out to look around the courtyard, which is open now. And while we were out there, he asked me if I'd mind taking an empty keg back to Elk Creek. I laughed and said, sure, I've been doing that since my very, very early days of writing about beer. Why not now? We walked the keg out to the car, and after I waved goodbye, I made my obligatory Texas hot stop at the one at the Bend on 58th Street, down by the Logan Valley Mall. I hit the original Texas hot on my way out of town, so... Let's compare them here rather than do this in an I went here, then here, then there narrative like we've done before. Not to get into the details, but while the two places have the same name and started out in the same family, they're no longer the same business, although they do have very similar menus and an almost identical look on the outside. The original, which dates back to 1918, still has that old-timey lunch counter look. The newer location, down by the mall, has gone very southwest on the decor inside. But the dogs, that's what we're here for. Both came neatly wrapped in tissue paper, even though I ate in at the new place and takeout at downtown. I ate that one off the roof of my car. al fresco. <laughs> nice soft roll, hot dog, meat sauce, brown mustard, and diced onion. I asked for extra mustard at the downtown place, mainly because the 58th Street place went a bit light on it. Comparing the two, I'd give a slight edge to 58th Street. I really liked the feel at downtown, and both places were friendly. But the 58th Street hot dog had that snap of a natural casing and a bit more spice. I'll admit I'll be embarrassed if it turns out they both use the same dogs, but that's how it goes. And man, the onions were quite sharp at the 58th Street place. I thought the meat sauce at both places could have had a little more spice. But these were top-tier Texas hots. Good stuff. And I ate them both up. I had those two dogs about... Four hours apart. In between, I went to 29th Street Pizza and more to try the infamous Altoona Hotel Pizza. Why infamous? Because the internet pizza freaks hate it! Well, I've had Provel Pizza in St. Louis, Deep Dish in Chicago, Coal Fired Oven Clam Pizza in New Haven, Cantalimi and Pinchetta Pizza in Rome. Trenton Tomato Pie, Burnt Cup Buffalo Style, Detroit Style, Linguisa and Pineapple Pizza in California. I've had slices at the Original Ray's and Joe's in New York, Boston Bar Pizza with baked beans, and of course, I've had Old Forge Pizza. So, Altoona Hotel Pizza beckoned me. I'm a completist. Why is it called Altoona Hotel Pizza? For the very simplest of reasons. It was made at the Altoona Hotel until it burned down in 2013, when a few other places in town picked up the torch, so to speak, and took a shot at it. The general consensus just barely agrees that Steve Corklick at 29th Street Pizza and More made the best recreation of it, so I went to try some. 29th Street looks like a corner row house, without the rest of the row, it's just grass there. It's a friendly look. I felt welcome as soon as I walked in, and part of that was down to the quick smile and greeting from Steve himself, a slight but wiry, bespectacled guy. I told him I came to Altoona to try his Altoona Sicilian, which is how it's listed on his menu board, at only $2.50 a cut. He told me why he thinks his is right. The focaccia-like crust, the thinly sliced Genoa salami, it holds up better than cooked salami, he said, and he's right. And the generous green pepper rings that are the hallmark of this pizza, along with the orange American cheese melted on top. Don't make that face! One of these days I'm going to find an excuse to talk about American cheese and you'll find out that it's a lot more honest cheese than you think. But let's stay in Altoona for now. Steve called back to his oven man. Two cuts of your best Altoona Sicilian. He turned back to me, smiled again, and said, I, well, you're going to like this. This isn't a franchise, he said. It's a family-owned and run business. We work hard, and we've been lucky. God has made it prosper. I can't deny that his earnest sincerity just made me feel good as did the way he solicitously took care of an older woman who came in and seemed somewhat confused. This was a nice place, not just a good place. The pizza? I did like it. The crust was great. Chewy, not doughy, with a bit of crisp to the bottom. And I loved the fresh wet snap of the green pepper slices, hotly wrapped in that gooey American cheese. Is it pizza like you get at a standard pizza place? The standard pizza Steve also makes? Well, no, duh, it's not. But a Texas hot isn't a chili dog either, no matter how many people seem to think it is. Celebrate the differences. That's what seeing Through a Glass is all about. I did do two other food stops. The first was La Joe's Genuine Italian Sausage, where they expected me to be getting a sandwich. One of the employees, a young woman, was sitting on the steps in the shade, eating a small container of white chicken chili, and that was tempting too, but I was already pretty well stuffed with that Texas hot and two cuts of pizza. I just wanted some stuff to take home. So I wandered their two aisles for a little, looking at sauces, aseptic pack, Italian tomatoes, pasta. There's a tennis racket pasta? I did not know that. Peppers, olives, tinned fish, spices, and all that. So then I got some sausage, hot and sweet Italian, and the Happy Valley, which is pork with Asiago cheese, peppers, and onions, frozen meatballs, and an assortment of other things. Le Joe's has been open since 1962 and supplies a number of restaurants with sausage and chipped beef, including some in State College. We used to sell to places as far away as D.C., the woman at the counter told me. It all looked fantastic, and I had the Happy Valley sausage yesterday for dinner. Excellent. As I said, I made a quick stop to pay my respects at the Sheet Store Number One Monument. It's actually called that. A granite bench and marker that notes the location of the original Sheet's Quick Shopper store in 1952. The store is no longer there. It's the district magistrate's offices now. One more food stop, and it was a lucky one. I was in Altoona last Friday, you see, April 14th, and it was an extremely unseasonable 83 degrees. Well, says the weather service, but it was hotter on the streets, I can tell you. And I had sausage and frozen meatballs to get home. Luckily, the good folks at Boyer's Candies are familiar with this problem. Right at the register, they will sell you an insulated bag to get your goodies home safely unmelted. Boyers started in Altoona when the Boyer boys were dipping marshmallows in chocolate during the Depression. Their mom suggested putting them in cupcake cups, and the Mallow Cup was born. That expanded to include the obvious peanut butter cups, but also a delicious and sadly unsung butterscotch cup. They also have chocolate and peanut butter covered pretzel rods they call Jimmy Sticks. And they now own the relatively famous Clark Bar by Purchase from the Necco Company, who had picked it up from its originators in Pittsburgh, I think. Anyway, I scooped up a variety pack of cups, a Mellow Cup t-shirt, made in tuna, some Jimmy Sticks, and a bag of Clark Bar seconds. There were a lot of bags of those seconds, but they taste just as good, I'll tell you. I put them all in the bag with the sausage and meatballs and then stopped at a sheet's. I swear there's one every six blocks in Altoona, and bought a large cupful of ice tied up in a bag. Twenty-five cents. Everything was nice and cold when I got home three hours later. In case you were wondering, yes, I did make three brewery stops in town. I parked across from the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament, because there was blessed shade there, and strolled down the hill to the 1400 block of 11th Avenue. That's where all three stops were, right on that one block. Mark it on Google. My first stop was Levity Brewing's Altoona Taproom. Their main brewery is in Indiana, PA. It was fairly quiet at around 2 p.m. A few other folks at the bar, two guys at a table, and I could see the small brewery down a level in the back. Levity makes most of the beer in Indiana, but they do specialty batches here. The bartender helped me pick a beer from the 23 taps of house and guest beers, seltzers, and cider. I got the straight red. An amber ale mild that was a low-alcohol, nicely malty glass. Relaxing stuff. The menu was stuffed with fun sandwiches and an interesting sidebar. Chili, mac and cheese, or chili mac. Reminded me of the menu at the old taproom at Legend Brewing in Richmond. You could get chili, omelets, or chili omelets. I took a pass. That pizza was still riding pretty good. I had a nice chat with the bartender and I would have liked to stay, but I finished my beer and headed back out into the sunlight. I wandered down the block to JJ Hadley's on the corner of the avenue and 14th Street, which the place hadn't even been on my radar. I just happened to see their brews sign as I walked down from the cathedral, so I had to check it out. I pulled up to the bar and the waitress handed me a beer list. There were guest taps and there were house beers and railroad city beers. But the waitress said there was no brewery on premises, the beers were made at Railroad City. I got in touch with co-founder John revnack after I got home, and he confirmed that. He told me, There are beers that we have specifically made for Hadley's, different hops and yeasts. There are beers that Railroad City has that we don't offer, and ones that we have made that they don't sell. So, JJ Hadley's is what I guess you could call a contract brew pub? And they were quite open about it when asked. Honestly, that's kinda cool. I haven't seen an operation like that in many years. To me, the beer is the most important thing. The beer I had was good. And the place was very nice, in an open, airy kind of way, with ample undershade seating in a front area that looked like it would open up to the air. There was a monster wood-fired pizza oven. and If I had had any room at all, I'd have tried some. The pictures look fantastic. Next time. By now, Railroad City was almost open, so I walked up there. I really like this three-places-on-one-block thing. Go Altuna. I stood in the doorway waiting for about a minute, and the bartender unlocked for me. Had the place to myself. I ordered a five-hop hazy pale ale, still trying to keep the alcohol level down with an hour drive home. The other beers ranged from big ABV hazy IPAs to a variety of flavored beers, a pastry stout, a vanilla cream ale, a fruited double IPA, which is kind of par for the course these days, I guess. I got to chatting to the bartender and told him what I was doing, where I'd been that day, and he got interested. I told him how much I'd liked La Joe's, and he started talking about old-school Italian restaurants in town, now I've got a whole list to explore. I'll bring Kathy along, because I've been told I need to get her back on the show. I called it a day after that beer, and after getting that last hot dog at the downtown Texas Hot, I headed north to Milheim. I had to take that keg back to Elk Creek. That's Altoona, for now. You may think I missed some places, like Del Grosso's and Juniata Brewing's Taproom and Marzoni's. Those places are all near Altoona. We'll get there. I promise. (music) I told you I went to a brewery opening. It was just last week, at Bull City Brewing in Bullsburg. If you listened to episode four, you might remember that Dave Staub had retired from Zeno's and was going to be the manager at this new place. I interviewed him there before it was finished, or heated. Last Wednesday morning, Dave texted me, open tonight, five to nine. I hastily rearranged my schedule a little, and I was there about 4.30, as one does, Things were busy as the last bits of construction dust were tidied up, glasses were polished, and one annoying bit of kit on the ceiling had Dave up on the bar with a roll of duct tape. I grabbed brewer Mike Smith and we went back to the brewery. He's running a specific mechanical brew house. He said he'd looked at some fancy new ones, but he knew specific, knew how they ran, and decided to stay solid with that. Can't go wrong there. He opened with two IPAs, a hazy and a West Coast type, a Belgian golden ale, and a brown ale. He had a Pilsner and a Goza in the tanks, which were not quite ready yet. He told me about the men's room ceiling. It's wood from a replaced Penn State basketball court. The bar and the cup rails around the perimeter of the tap room feature wood and roofing from a local old barn that had been torn down, finished and fitted together by local craftsmen. The south wall is a faithful reproduction of an old topographic map of the area. He had to talk to other folks, so I settled at the end of the bar. Dave caught my eye. "'Gestured at the taps with a cocked eye. "'The brown,' I called, "'and he brought it over, brimming with foam and a deep chestnut brown. "'It was delicious, chocolatey, but not overly rich. "'Now people were coming in, and a buzz was starting. "'Mike was relaxed, but Dave and owner Gordon Coffin were buzzing, "'clearly excited that things were finally happening. "'I'm sorry I missed going over on the warm days. "'Someone had to go to Altoona. "'Me, mostly. "'But we'll definitely be back for more at Bull City.' to enjoy the gorgeous outdoors and the well-crafted beers. Congratulations! Well, that's the show. Thanks to Bjorn Reed for a great interview. Thanks to Bill Hiergeist for a crucial last-minute save. And thanks to Mike Smith for the chat. Sorry the recording didn't work out. You can find pictures of most of these places on Instagram at Stag Podcast and on Facebook at Seam Through a Glass. Where you'll find pictures and links and ways to contact me stag is now available on podbean apple Podcasts, spotify google podcasts and stitcher please subscribe to get notice of new episodes And if you like the show please take a moment and drop a rating or review thanks you can always message me directly on social media to let me know what you liked on an episode what could be improved and what central pennsylvania drinks and food producers you'd like to hear from This episode was recorded three years in the future. Our thanks to Dr. Emmett Brown. The next episode will be about cider. It's not maybe seasonally appropriate, but I was down in York and Adams County last week, and it was too good an opportunity to pass up. As I threatened in uh, the pilot, I think it was, I'm gonna do some non-food and drink stuff next episode, since I also took the opportunity to see some covered bridges down there, a passion of mine. We'll talk a little about that, in two weeks as always thanks for listening and until next time this is Lou Bryson on Scene Through a Glass from the smack dab center of the Keystone State